we are back, everybody. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Um, we had a nice little break. We are each about five pounds heavier now. Yes. Um, so as we referred to in the previous podcast, it's time for all of us to fast now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's good to be back. I missed you guys. I did. <laughs> so sweet, Michael. I, I'm just being honest. I missed you guys. <laughs> He's so bashful right now. I know. He's like blushing. <laughs> <I know>. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but it is uh, really good to be back together and talking to you guys, um, sharing another chapter with you. So speaking of, today we are on Revelation 1. It is Tuesday, December 4th. Um, I know that we need to set up a little bit of uh, context for this because we are in Revelation again. Um, so would either one of you guys like to do that? I'll talk at this time. Do so, it, man. So here's the thing. The context with Revelation, good luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because... Daniel and I were talking about this earlier. Um, it's difficult to know. I mean, most people think that that John the Apostle wrote it, and then there are some people think that it's John of Patmos. And there there are different ways to interpret it. I mean, anything that you can think of, people have thought of it, and they'll take they'll take a verse and they'll add a, a number to the verse and they'll come up with this <laughs> idea. Like people have taken this thing crazy, yeah. but what we do know. Is this author that calls himself John, whoever he is, he writes this letter to these seven churches. Mm-hmm. And this letter is some of the things that we'll find out here in this chapter are of the present or past, and some of these things are supposed to be of the future. So he gets this vision um, from God while he's on this island of Patmos. That's really the extent of, of what we know. There's so much mystery and so much metaphor that it's really difficult to take a very clear context. We know that this was written later, not earlier, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that Revelation was one of the last books to be canonized, along with like James and Second and Third John. Um, so, and people have debated this this book for centuries. Yeah. So, there, I mean, that's what, what could you add to that, Daniel? There's there's I, there's more, but I think understanding the just the literal the literary style of uh, the book too. It's since it's a book about prophecy, it's written in the style of the Old Testament prophets. So there's lots of numbers, there's lots of imagery, uh, lots of symbolism, uh, and so that to like get like caught up to think it's like some kind of code that you're kind of cracking. This isn't something to solve. It really it's it's written in a way as all prophets. That's, uh, were written. They they heard from God, so this is a message from God, right. mm-hmm. and they they present the prophecy to the people and they the the church. And the way that the prophecy functions even now is that prophets hear from God and they they send the message, and then the church interprets and applies it. Mm-hmm. And so you know, John is writing to these seven churches, and some people say that they're the seven like there's different church ages, and uh, part of me just doesn't. I don't. I don't really go with that because for me, then yeah. that then I start to. I just know from my own like way of thinking is I start to not apply things that don't apply to me. You know. <laughs> so if this is an old church age that's in the past, why do I need to apply the right. warning to it? Why do I need to apply yeah. the principles to it? You know, perfect analogy. I started failing math in high school when we started talking about imaginary numbers because I was like, if they're imaginary, why do I need to know how to do anything with them? <laughs> so I feel kind of the same way with Yeah, that. exactly. And so like, and so don't, don't, I guess, don't necessarily come to this book with this is the way it is and this is the way it has to be. 
because what you'll do is you'll bring uh, you'll bring bias. You'll bring bias into the situation, and you'll be uh, you'll have confirmation bias. You'll you'll think that America, like for example, you'll think that America's bad or that our situation's bad, and so you'll see that in this prophecy, and you'll think they're talking about us. You know. Uh, maybe not maybe we just don't know like it's just not there's not you're taking something that's supposed to be you know for these seven churches but also a revelation from god to humanity and and you're taking it and hard applying it to you know your present situation our present political situation Mm -hmm. i would just steer away from that i really would i would caution you to to not like focus so much on that but instead really like god is sending a message to his body mm-hmm. through the revelation that that John received on Patmos. And so take this for what you're going to be able to apply to your life and how you are to exalt Jesus Absolutely. and also live from hope. Cuz yeah. I mean that's really what we see at the end of this is is we get so much hope about what is to come. And so you know, under not knowing how it transpires is okay. But know that this is hope. That, you know, yes. these are the promises that God has, that God is going to do away with all of these things at the end, that he's going to establish a new heaven and a new earth. And uh, just a plug, we just started a series here at Ele- uh, Elevation called uh, with, uh, with Forever in Mind, and it's the Christmas season with heaven in mind. And uh, and so tune into that, too. Uh, we have a podcast that, or not a podcast, but we have, yeah, a podcast. It's, that, yeah, it's a podcast, yeah. We that, put out our that weekly has sermon. our weekly sermons on them. So yeah. if you want to check those out, too, they can kind of go in tandem because we're doing a chapter a day. So we're in Revelation, and mm-hmm. we're also doing that for the Christmas season. So yeah, um, if, the, if you would like to get a little bit more understanding of that, you could just check that out. Yeah. The last thing I want to say before we do, do the scripture is take a deep breath because... No joke, when I was a kid, um, my dad had a friend that that was a newborn Christian, you know, just, just freshly saved and was just eating up every bit of scripture he could. And of course, he gets into Revelation. Yeah. And then all this stuff, he got really into it. And he started, when I say really into it, <laughs> he got really into it. He started believing that he was like one of the characters in Revelation and the world was going to end. And he wow. started to have mental issues. So like, hmm. don't do this, Okay. Uh, I'm going to call him out because he's because Michael Cunningham from our church did something very wise. I was I was I'm trying to to understand more about this book myself. Mm-hmm. It's one of my weaknesses, so I'm really trying to study Revelation. So I've been posting on Facebook things about Revelation mm-hmm. and asking questions, and I got into something really detail oriented that doesn't really matter. And Michael Cunningham basically said, "This doesn't apply to my walk." Yeah. So I'll leave this to the theologians. Yeah. Add a little humor into it, but he, but there's some wisdom there. Yeah, for sure. Let's as we as we begin to read this, let's start thinking about how these things can apply to us, and not do like what Daniel said. We're not putting our bias in. We're not making things apply to us that don't. But let's take what we can and see if we can grow spiritually and and have some good application from what we learn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for me, I mean, you know. It's not something that um, you need to understand everything about. You just live your life the way that you're supposed to live it. And if anything that might come from this in the future comes, you're good either way. Can't stop it. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nothing's going to change it, so live your life. Um, some people are more dr- more drawn to it than others. I know it's something you said you don't have much of an understanding on. I've felt drawn to it for a long time, but I don't even want to talk about any of that stuff today. Like, I just... We touched on that last time. It is what it is. You know, you can talk about what people think about it, but... 
we've already done that. So moving on. But one thing that I wanted to say about um, Patmos that we didn't touch on is like Patmos, if I recall correctly, is like an extremely secluded like prisoner island, right? Yes. yes. So you you know, Michael, you brought up that um, some people you know have different thoughts about what this was. So whoever the John was that it, this that did this that prophesied this, um, he was put in prison on this island yes. because he was a believer and a follower of Jesus. And then he was just basically in a cave being guarded by a guard for the rest of his life, right? Or something like Likely. that? Likely. Yeah. Well, and, and I was, again, <laughs> me and Daniel were talking about this. Some of these things we don't know. Yeah, All true. we're really given is what we see in this opening chapter. Mm-hmm. All we can assume is is what we know from history, what may have or should have happened. Mm-hmm. So we can assume those things, but we really don't know. Yeah. And something, too, like with the conditions being the way that they likely were from what we've heard, some people, just so you know, going into this, some people say that Revelation was just a hallucination that he had. Mm. Personally, I don't believe that because I believe that any word that makes it in the Bible is hand chosen by God, something that we are supposed to have and hear from the lips of God for whatever reason. So I don't believe that it's a hallucination, but know that that is something that if you talk to people about Revelation, you'll probably hear that, <laughs> because, and that's the context of why. And the reason why they he's say that is... He's in a cave, is, and they think he's dehydrated and, and Pat, just hallucinating. And Patmos, the island of Patmos, is known for its poppies. So hmm. there's that, and also it's also known for its mushrooms that, that are found in these caves. Hmm. So <laughs> yeah. people put two and two together and be like, John was high. I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. I mean, this this is to be honest. This is and and, and you know I, I become critical of things too. I'm a critical thinker. Sure. But this is too well written mm-hmm. to come from some stoner. <laughs> right, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Uh, I'm sorry if you're a stoner, but I think I think this is way too well written to come mm-hmm. from some hallucination. All, all these numbers, all this stuff. It's just yeah. it's amazing. It's very so, meticulous. And yes. It is. Yeah. And yeah. Daniel, you mentioned too that some people think that the seven churches are like seven ages of the church. You'll hear in a minute, guys, when you listen to this, when we play it from the Dwell app, they specifically name the seven churches. So I don't see They're how people actual churches, actual churches at yeah. that time that these letters were sent to. So I don't know how people take that. Um, so anyway, obviously, from the conversation we've had, Revelation is massively up for debate. <laughs> yeah. So just know that going in, but know that we believe that it is the actual word of God and that it is here for a purpose, and we are being told things for a purpose. So anyway, here's Revelation 1 from the Dwell app. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, 
and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. All right, you guys, so that's our reading of today's chapter. Um, what do you guys want to talk about? Yeah, so this was fun. Uh, good job, guys. Uh, I think we're done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Discuss. <laughs> well, I think we talked a little bit about even just setting it up, because so, that's a lot of, of what this chapter is. It's it's setting up kind of the vision that, that John is going to have, so he's going to start going into the the seven churches uh, that's coming up in the next couple chapters, and then it's going to start, and then he's going to go to the throne room, and, and that's, you know, and and then that's going to kind of continue all the way all the way to Revelations 22, I believe, is the last chapter, and so... yeah. Um, so, but I think it's good because this is like, this is the window that we get kind of in between a lot of the prophecy. Uh, so we kind of get an idea of where John is, what's going on, who's revealing this, who, who is this coming from? Who's this revelation coming from? It's, and it's coming from Jesus and Jesus having, you know, there's a lot of imagery here, even in this beginning chapter, cause you hear yeah. his mouth has a two edged sword mm-hmm. coming in, out of his mouth and that's. 
a weird day probably you know i mean that's just something that doesn't normally happen you know i'm not like order like my drink from starbucks and all of a sudden i like stab the cashier with the words that are coming out of my <laughs> oh, mouth you don't but you don't do that i, I do that yeah, i, I have to exactly. lean back really far i know it's like yeah uh, <laughs> i and i visually see jesus's face going and, and like, like a, a big, big sword, sword coming out, coming out i know i know and, and I know. but i i think that there's that that and that's this is a case of imagery yeah. uh yeah, uh, the, the, there's power in the words of Jesus that you think about from creation. So I guess if this is the end of the Bible. We have the beginning of the Bible through the words of God. God is able to create. Uh, he just speaks light and light exists. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's so much power in the words of God that it comes out. The imagery is that of there's there's so much, you know, that it's it's a sword. It, it has the ability to do all of these things. Yeah. Uh, and so. Yeah. And you hear about later in the Battle of Armageddon that he... Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Because <laughs> I was going nice. to say the same thing. I know, yeah, that a sword comes out of his mouth and like everybody dies. And yeah. so... That's yeah. his massive victory, like the big buildup. <clears throat> and it's just, he speaks and, and they win. Yeah. yeah. And I mean... That's and how that, powerful he is. And that's, and that, which is amazing, like when you think about that. Like yeah. the power and the majesty of Jesus, because I think we see different, Im- we see different images of Jesus. You know, we have Jesus this time of year, you know, six pound... You know, eight <laughs> ounce baby eight Jesus. Eight ounce baby Jesus. You know, I mean, and we're sitting so, there in your manger. Yeah, so we have baby Jesus, and then we have like Jesus growing, like the, the imagery oh. that we have of Jesus in the Gospels, you know, very much, you know, so compassionate, loves people, is patient with people, you know, has a few table flipping moments. But other than that, like he's, you know, he's this kind of mild dude. And then you have this Jesus who is like, wow like yeah. he is he is like his eyes are on fire and like he is like a sword's coming out of his mouth it's like and a he's, sith lord that's something something's I mean, messed like up he, there he's, yeah. he's and he's like and he's this holding is, stars and like yeah. i mean like he this is the first moment that i ever really tied jesus to old testament god with yeah. like mm-hmm. power and fire and just you know mm-hmm. and and so and, and i think that there is there you we need to understand that the the majesty that Jesus has, and even, I mean, Colossians 1 does a really great job of talking about the majesty of Jesus, and it says that, you know, he spoke everything into existence, and he, in existence, and he holds everything together. I mean, like, Jesus is worthy of all praise and honor and glory right. and majesty because he is amazing, and and I think we can see Jesus um, in this kind of mild manner that he has in the Gospels, and just... And not realize that we we lose sight of the fact that he created every like everything was created by him and for him, you know, and he holds everything together, you know, and that's Jesus, and mm-hmm. that's the one who then left, you know, you know this amazing heaven that we're going to see with some really interesting creatures and people, and and he came down having like constant worship and glory to his name coming down, yeah. In, in in the form of a baby that couldn't even feed himself, you yeah. know, he were, he relied on his mother to feed him. A human. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah exactly. His, his creation, the ones that he spoke into existence, had to give him nourishment. Mm-hmm. Like the humility to to do that, all for, you know, the glory of God and to bring to reconcile uh, God's beloved creation, us, back to Him. You know, and so this right. is. This is the Jesus that is coming, you know. This is the Jesus that is, and yeah. this is the He is the beginning and the end. He's all of these things, and and so I think this is great for us to go through this because then we get to see the majesty right. of the God that we serve. You know that He is not like kind of just that he, that He is powerful. 
in that he has, you know, has the ability to speak things into existence or speak things into destruction, you know, yeah. and, and, but he also is the one that gave up all of that power. Mm-hmm. Yes. For us. Yeah. This, this thing is, oh, sorry, Brent. No, you're good. This thing is a, um, we, we forget this is a hopeful book, a hopeful letter. Yeah. Um, look at, you have to look at the context and I know I talk context all the time, but you know, I I know that it's difficult to understand some of the things that are actually happening in this book because there's a lot of mystery that we don't understand. But what we do know is is what the world was like. This is probably the last book that was written, you know, as far as the New Testament is concerned, right? Sure. So people argue about the date. The big thing is whether it happened before the Jewish-Roman War or after. I think it was probably after. Mm-hmm, I think so, too. And uh, it might even be as late as 90 A.D. We're not real sure, but that's that's kind of a thought. Now, here's the thing. Think about this. You're a Christian, and it's 90 A.D., okay? It's been like 50, 60 years since Jesus died. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Jesus said, you know, that, that he would, you know, that, that all these, a lot of prophecies about this generation and all this, and you're like, okay, so when is this thing going to work out for us? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, because Stephen got killed, and then that was just the first. Mm-hmm. You got a ton of Christians getting killed, then you have this Jewish-Roman war where like a million Jews are slaughtered. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Christians and Jews are not having that great of a time with the Roman government. Nero is a terrible person. He's <laughs> a, you know, he's, you know, it's awful. So the Christians are dealing with all this craziness and it's like god are you ever going to do anything about this mm-hmm. what, what were you talking about with jesus we're telling us to be all nice to people in in this new way that you want us to live and now we're getting killed so this book offers hope it's like guys okay i know it's bad i know it's bad but this is how things are going to end we're going to be victorious be patient now of course Ever since this book was written, <laughs> we've been expect people have been expecting all these things to happen in their lifetime. Right. And I know it's been a couple thousand years. I get it. But before we go crazy with it, see the hope that's found in Revelation. Mm-hmm. God tells us that he's going to win. Mm-hmm. We are going to be victorious. And that is what this book is about. It's giving Christians hope. As, as nasty and crazy as it gets, and all the all the angels and all the dragons and <laughs> and the woman and her children and weird words like 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 a horror of Babylon and like all these crazy things. Yeah. Remember, this is about Jesus being victorious and us having hope, and that's yeah. how this chapter opens. That that you see his greeting; it's a positive tone. Right, he's 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 telling us grace in verse verse four, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Right, it's a it's a positive message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, you know, one of the most awesome things about the Word of God, about the Bible, is that every time you read it, something new pops out to you. Yeah, and that's because that's it's time for you to see that for some reason, whatever God has that in plan for you, it's time for you to see that part that you didn't see ever before. And then there'll be other parts that meant so much to you in a scripture that you read a couple years ago. And now those things don't really stand out to you anymore. It's something else, you know, and it's, I heard somebody say one time that, um, um, I think it was Bill Johnson. Actually, he said, uh, about reading scripture, he said, um, some people are saying, well, why do I have to read the Bible all the time? I don't remember it anyway. And he said, well, 
Do you remember what you had for breakfast three months ago? No, why? It still nourished you, didn't it? <laughs> so it's awesome. You know, yeah. that, that's why it's <laughs> yeah, important it's to read because God, God nourishes you with his word, but then he also stores things away inside of you that get activated when it's time for them to get activated. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's it's amazing how the word of God works. So anyway, reading this, I just one little thing that isn't like a, you know, a life changer or anything. I noticed at the very end, um, I just thought it was so cool. It says, um, as for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. So does that mean that every church has an angel? So I've, I've heard. I think that's awesome because I'm like, wow, that's, I never really even I, noticed that I've before. heard there's, there's two different um, thoughts on that. Either they meant literally angels, and that each angel, each church has an angel, which that is one idea. Another one is, and I can't remember. It's one of those weird translation things and cultural things, and I didn't get into it enough. But there are other theory that they they meant like like the elder for that church, so mm. kind of like a Phil, so like the leader. Either way. The imagery that we I'm have. Tell Phil he's my angel. Now. <laughs> <laughs> nice, good. Phil, you're my angel. I was thinking the same song, oh, but I wasn't going to go, go there. <clears throat> but no, but here we go. But here's something that I, I think is interesting with that. Um, when he, and I got to find it when he goes and he's and he's talking about these these angels and these lampstands, and and uh, I can't find it, but. What he does say is that Jesus is in the midst. If you look, if you remember, like the imagery, is that you know I I see the these these lampstands and I see you know these these stars and and Jesus is there like he sees it on the same image. Mm-hmm. I was really encouraged by that because when you go on in the, in this book, you see some bad stuff happening in these churches, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. And so and so there's a lot of criticism for these churches, but Jesus is there. Yeah. Now, that's encouraging to me that even if things aren't going right in your church, mm-hmm. Jesus is there, mm-hmm. you know? And even like the number seven too. Seven is like a completion thing. Even though these are written to uh, seven specific churches, seven is a very crucial number in uh, Hebrew literature. It's, it's a number of completion. So this can be considered like he has, he holds all the churches in his hands. Yeah. That he has all of the, uh, all, he has our church. He has every the church down the road. He has all of these churches in our hands. And then the lampstand is a very, is a, is a common imagery that you'll see for a church. So when he takes away, like, it's a light. It's That's what a lampstand is. You know, a lampstand is a light. And so uh, there's times when he says, I'm going to remove that lampstand. Or there's another uh, instance later on in the Revelation, w- Revelation where he talks about a lampstand. And, and just know that that's going to be an imagery that you're going to see repeated over itself. It's it's the church. It's 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 either, it's the local church. It's the global church. It's the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's... um. That can kind of give you a little bit of clarity, even with some of the imagery. But definitely, when you see the the sevens, that's really more of it's not just that's how like prophecy would work, especially in Old Testament. It would be specific, but then it would, it could also mean something a lot, a lot bigger, especially with the numbers, uh, how they would use numbers. So seven would be that would be a number of completion. Now this is a little crazy, Daniel, but here's here's just a thought: <clears throat> if John was revealed, and it wasn't, right? But if it was revealed to him, an eighth church, mm-hmm. and that church was Elevation Community Church, and if he were to write a chapter analyzing this church, mm. what would John write? And I'm not like I'm expecting an answer from you guys, but you know, for, for you all, for you guys here and the listeners too, um, 
you are the church, right? All of us together are this body Mm -hmm. in Blanchester, this Elevation Community Church. That's why we have the word community in our name. Mm -hmm. Who are we? And to answer that, you know, who are you? What what part of this body do you do you serve? And and whatever John would write or whatever Jesus would tell John about our church, what would that mean about you? How 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 are you defining who the church is? What would Jesus say about you? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, maybe that's taking it too far in the application. That's just something I was thinking about with this: is that what would happen if 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 our church was was included in this? in this book. Yeah. You know, something that kind of ties into that is a little bit of an answer to that is something we spoke about before that just stood out to me again as I was kind of scanning through. But, um, first of all, what a beautiful section up here. Um, five, I believe, uh, later on in it, it says to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom. Like how cool is that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it says, and made us a kingdom priests to his God and father. Yeah. Like, once again, touching on the fact that we, as believers in Christ, we are priests. We are empowered with that power from God to go out and to spread the word of God to other people. Like that's, you know that's what that would call. mean to a Jewish audience? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, when we talk about in the New Testament, not just in Revelation, but other places too, when we talk about being a priesthood and we talk about being like the temple, like God residing in you— mm-hmm. Like the temple was everything. Mm-hmm. Those that's a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. To, to it blew audience. my mind mm-hmm. um, w- when I first started learning more about worship and stuff. And it was you know some of the stuff that I was reading was saying like you are now you know a priest. You are someone who is called to take God's message to what? the world. And I was like, uh, <laughs> I'm a priest. Like that's a lot of pressure, dude. Like you know, but it's really not. It you know because the context, what people think a priest means compared to what a priest actually is by definition um so yeah i th- i just think that's cool man what yeah. an honor yeah i also like in verse nine when john is introducing himself or he's uh, saying i john your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are and the patient endurance that are in jesus uh and i just i for, like it's john is saying i'm 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 with you guys we are we are enduring hard things. We are enduring a tribulation and, and for the kingdom, but we have patient endurance in Jesus. And that kind of all centers back towards hope, you know? And and I think that there is, there's always an opportunity for us to bring the kingdom of God a little bit closer to this earth. And, and I think we do that with uh, our hope and with our patient endurance. And, uh, you know, John is in prison right now, and he is, he is, he gets a revelation from God and he shares it because this is this is hope, mm-hmm. you know. This is exactly. This is what we need to hear. This is what we need to imbibe. This is what we need to, like, r- recite to ourselves over and over again that that we have a hope that regardless of what we're going through, and we're going through it together, you know, let's let's endure it patiently, knowing that there's so much at stake and there's so much that's going to transpire, you know, for the kingdom of God to come. And and I think we lose sight of that. I mean, I, I know that I can get so wrapped up in kind of like the current events or the current stuff going on in my life and just lose and lose sight and know that like, you know, suffering is, is, is something that we are like, God never promised us a life free of suffering. If anything, he just told us like Dennis said, um, two weeks ago, suffer well, you know, suffer well. Like if you've got stuff going on in your life, you know, you're, that's always an opportunity to show where your hope lies. Mm -hmm. And, And so that to me, like what you just said, Michael was really convicting is, what would Jesus say? 
about elevation? What would they say about what he would he say about us? Would he say that our hope is in him and that we're we're patiently enduring and we're uh, and we are looking for opportunities for the kingdom of God to come down? Or, you know, would he give us a critique like he's giving some of these other churches? And and I think take what these churches are going through and start to like start to ask yourself those questions and have I lost, you know, my first love? Am I, you know, am I kind of, am I lukewarm? You know, am I just kind of following what other people are doing because it feels good and because it's easy? Uh, you know, and, and, and so like, don't see these necessarily as, okay, this is their church, that, that church's problem. This was to to be distributed to all the churches so that they could then evaluate. All right. What would Jesus say about his bride here in Blanchester at Elevation Community Church? Yeah, and obviously that's the reason why our our church fathers kept this book. I mean, because it was argued about whether are we going to keep this or are we not going to keep this. So in in about uh, three hundred and something A.D. in the fourth century, somebody thought that this could speak to people, mm-hmm. and and the church fathers together made this decision to keep Revelation in canon. So yes, Daniel, this stuff does apply to our church. It yeah. doesn't just apply to them. Mm-hmm. And another thing, though, as we get critical, because, I mean, when you shine the mirror back at yourself, it causes you to become critical. But I, I like I like what we see here, that when, when, when John sees Jesus in this, in this vision, he has the same kind of reaction we would have. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, right? But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not! I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. That's a pretty strong statement. So when we're getting critical of ourselves and we're all worried about Jesus judging us and like this this terrible stuff, remember, don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jesus has the keys to death and hell. He's he's got it taken care yeah. of. You know. So let's let, let's be critical enough to fix the things in our lives to fix the things in the church. But let's do that with a positive attitude. We don't need to be afraid. Yeah. Um, and this is a, a bad pun, I guess, but <laughs> talking about, um, you know, 300-some A.D. was when they actually started to put the Bible together from all of this. Like, it's a—this is the pun. It's a. It was a revelation to me <laughs> um, when I realized, you know, that the first church for hundreds of years, they didn't have the Bible at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was amazing to me when I realized, holy cow, they just had the way they had people talking to each other and passing things down, but something to tie into something kind of personal for me that I thought of when you said it, the the reason that, you know, I think a big reason that we have the Bible is so that people don't forget because over time word of mouth can change and, and get twisted and all this kind of stuff. So the reason it's personal to me is, um, I have a song that I wrote about my grandfather mm-hmm. years ago when I found out he was sick and he was going to pass away. Um, so I wrote a song about him to help me because songs do two things for me. Music does two things for me. One, literally, it helps you hear and remember what it was, but two, the emotion that's tied to right. it. So I wrote a song in kind of remembrance of him to help me always remember who he was and for me to not get it twisted over time or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's kind of the same thing that why the Bible is here for us because over time, man, it could have got way out of whack. I mean, think about Revelation. Yes. Where would Revelation have gone had it not been written down 
and all the craziness that's in Revelation oh, goodness. and all the debates we have over it now, think about where it would have gone after 2,000 years, you know? Mm-hmm. So, well, and um, that's the thing you have yeah. to look at, too, is when they put this stuff together, we could do a whole other podcast on that, but, but to be brief, that's the reason why they had to do this. Yeah. Because there were so many things being written. There were things being written in the 2nd and 3rd century that was, they were claiming that, no, 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 these are old. Thomas wrote this. Mm-hmm. You know, so... We have, there's a lot of stuff that could have been included in Scripture. So really what happened is the, the Emperor Constantine basically was like, look, I'm the emperor. This is a Christian Roman empire. I'm the first Christian emperor. And y'all are going to figure out what you believe because if I'm going to be a Christian emperor, we got to have a belief. So they, they basically had a council in Nicaea, and, and they got together and put a, a very simple belief system together. They started to put together the different bi- books of the Bible that belonged. They argued about it, and the argument wasn't done, but they continued, and they figured out what would be included. So they had to because there's so much stuff floating around, and they needed to keep it pure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I'd like to say as we, as we close, Daniel, you touched on earlier about the hope that this should bring to us and how we're, supposed to, how we're in this together. Um, I think it's a good tie-in as we're now in December in the Christmas season, and that's about, obviously it's about Jesus, but it's also about being together, mm-hmm. being with people that you care about, fellowship. And I think it was fitting that you said that, because um, talking about being in it together, and I think that one of the biggest reasons that fellowship is such an important part of Christianity is because, you said, we can get distracted by the world, we can get pulled away if you're not surrounded by other believers, I think that one of the main purposes of being surrounded by other believers, as there are many, but one of the main ones is to help us daily be reminded mm-hmm. and to come back and stay on the right path. Because you and I went to lunch the other day and we talked about personal things. We talked about work some, we talked about whatever. But then at the end of the conversation, the most exciting thing to me was the fact that I was sharing with you about somebody that I need to go talk to soon. And that pulled it full circle for me to where I was like, oh yeah, like that's discipleship, somebody that I need to go talk to about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you did exactly that, fellowship. Like we are blessed to be in this job. We're blessed, all three of us, to be able to do this podcast each week because yeah. think about how many people don't have this on a regular basis, you yeah. know? So, I told you I missed you guys. <laughs> so, we missed you too, Michael. Did. I didn't say that, but I, we did miss you. It was a nice little <laughs> holiday break, but it is really good to be, to be back with you yeah. guys. Um, but yeah, that just really hit home for me, like, um, uh, just the fact that I was with Daniel and being in fellowship with him, going to lunch, talking about all these different things, he helped remind me and come back to the mission mm-hmm. yeah. and back to Jesus. And that's one of the biggest reasons that we have for fellowship. So as we are in the Christmas season, go fellowship, go love on people, go help them, go help remind them about who Jesus is in this yeah. season and what our mission is, but also they'll remind you as well. So um, as we close up, would one of you guys like to pray for us? Yeah, sure. I'll do that. Okay. Thank you. Jesus, we just, um, we adore you. Uh, We thank you so much that you did so much for me and for Brent and for Michael and for all of our listeners. You did all of this. You came from your throne of glory and majesty and you were born uh, as us, as a little baby, uh, vulnerable, uh, needing so much care and attention, not even be able to speak, even though you could speak with so much power and worlds were created. You didn't, you weren't able to speak as a baby. And so Jesus, I just thank you. Thank you so much that you did that for us. And so God, I just pray that we 
would take this season as a time to remember the hope that we have, remember everything that you did was to give us hope, was to take away the power of sin and death and the fear of death. And then now we can live uh, through hard times patiently because of the hope that we have in you, Jesus. And so I, I pray that we just, uh, we take time to meditate on that, that we take time to reflect on the fact that that you uh, love us and that you've made a way for us to be right with God, that we don't have to experience uh, the uh, guilt or the condemnation or the shame uh, that has come from our choices, that, that all of that is done away with. And soon, Jesus, uh, in, your, in the Lord's timing, you are going to wipe away every tear from our eyes and death and the, the loved ones that we've lost that can be painful in this time of year, that's going to be no more. And God, and you are going to make all things new. And so, God, may we live off of, may we uh, expect it, may we interact with people based on that hope this holiday season. When we're around family and when we're around people that may not know you, may we just exude hope, not condemnation, but hope. Hope in you, Jesus. Uh, so we love you. We thank you for this time. We pray that you would bless everyone that's listen, listening to this podcast. And may we all, as a group, draw closer to you in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Daniel. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Michael. Um, That's going to wrap us up for today, guys. Uh, It's another episode here in the first week of December. Um, So we already gave you, you know, kind of the mission for this month. Um, So as it's uh, beginning to look a lot like Christmas, (laughs) um, go out and um, be a priest. Go out and be a broken vessel and let the light of Jesus shine through you to other people and bless them in this season. So talk to you guys later. Have a good week.